Hi, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer, and you're listening to Board Chitless. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week we're joined by some very special guests. We've got the return of Darren Marks, the graphic designer extraordinaire of board games notable such as The Gloom of Killforth and 1066, Tears to Many Mothers, and the upcoming life form, all from Hall Enough in Productions. Hey there, Daz. Hello there. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent banter. <laughs> this is why we <sighs> wanted you back. Um, we're also joined by uh, Bod Chitliff's number one fan who's made a journey all the way from Dubai just to be here tonight because <laughs> he won a competition to come and meet Tristan. Not really, it's Sam's brother. Say hello, Dad. <laughs> and we won't let him out of the house. Hello. The banter. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Panasaurus <laughs> Rex. As always, I'm joined by... You can do Is that me? Yeah. Tristan. <laughs> and Sam. Wicked, wicked. It was half an intro. It was like we've had a bit of time off. It was it was okay. I'm gonna give myself five out of ten for that Just one. Easing back into it. Definitely. Um, this week we've been playing Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. It's the new tongue twister by Stonemaier Games <laughs> and a collaboration with Bezier Games. It's um it's basically it's exactly how it sounds. It's the two games between two cities and the castles of Mad King Ludwig. Um, we also played, but not tonight, a little time ago, Dragonfire from Catalyst Games. Um, we'll get into that a little bit afterwards. Um, so we'll just get into it, shall we? We'll just play a bit of music and then jump into Between Two Castles of Mackie. Yay! Okay. Just rolls off the top. BTCMCMKL. How can we? Should we just? Should we call it between two castles? So people. Just I think castles. for the rest of this podcast, we've established what we're talking about. So we <laughs> yeah. just call it castles. So, well, I think if we call it castles and pull my headphones out. So I think if we call it castles, people might get confused with the previous title, Castles of My King Ludwig, which we don't want to do. So we'll call it between two castles. Is everyone happy with that? Yes. Of my King Ludwig. Yes, yes. <laughs> Everybody no, has to refer no to the full name. No short hand required. Ludwig's castles. <laughs> Between Ludwig's castles. <laughs> <laughs> Between two of, of Ludwig's castles. So, so the the working it's a work in progress of how we're going to make a shorthand of this. But it is essentially a tile drafting game where you have to build a castle. Between two other players. You have to build two castles. You have to build two castles with two other players as a bit of a collaboration. The twist is that you're not allowed to talk to either of them whilst you're picking your tiles. And then you can openly discuss once they've been revealed where you're going to put them and how much you hate the other person for picking their tile or how much <laughs> you love them for picking the tile. It changes literally from second to second. Um, we played a couple of games of it, didn't we? It seats up to seven people. Plays in about half an hour to 45 minutes, I think it says on the box. It might have gone a little bit longer. 45 to 60 on the box. I think we went a little bit long just about yeah. feeling our way through it. Especially the first game. Yeah. Especially your turn, so. Yeah. AP. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a good, good, fun, short game, do we reckon? Yeah. The, uh, should we start with the components, which from Stonemaier Games are always sexy? And what I really like about this is, a, I think it comes with a million tiles, 
and there's a plastic box that stores them beautifully and it's got a lid that keeps them <laughs> all perfectly set and ready to go so as soon as you finished and tied it away the game's instantly ready to go next time and I love the tile art is fantastic and the plastic storage trays are really clever so it's, it's come with its own little hobby box yes yeah. that's the highlight yeah, I don't need to go to home bargains for this one game <laughs> <laughs> for the hobby box because it's all in there it um, is nice and it's a nice heavy gauge of plastic as well isn't it yeah. it's uh, vacuum forming at its best probably yeah and and the tile no, the tile art is really it's really sweet and there's as Daz pointed out whilst we were playing there's some uh, quite nicely sort of named rooms like the scythe room mm, which has egg. scythes yeah. in it which is obviously oh, good. clear reference to the board game Viticulture <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's a couple of Easter eggs snuck in there as well isn't it and there's um I got the Hall of Ghosts which was pretty cool it was a Hall of Mirrors but full of ghosts as well Ooh. um. They were coming out of mirrors, though. I noticed. I think might be wrong. They don't. They definitely were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, um, Raphael played early the um, chocolatery, which was like a fountain of chocolate, but like a life-size fountain of chocolate. You could actually imagine that. Yeah. The Macking Ludwig, the Swan King, as he was sometimes known, would um, would really have gone for one of those if he was more in the twenty first century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gameplay itself. It's sort of Back track. decent. It, well, it whips around pretty quickly, doesn't it? You, yeah. Basically, you you start the the game. You've got you draw nine tiles, and you're going to pick two that you put down in front of you, and you pass the rest of them on to the next player, and then everybody reveals the two tiles they picked. They put one in the castle on the left, one in the castle on the right, and the idea is you're trying to make both those castles as cool as possible because the winner of the game is going to be the person whose worst castle scores higher than anybody else's, and. Um, so you want to make them both as kick-ass as each other. And it's quite a fun little thing, building that castle and trying to find all the ways... All, the way you, you put the tiles together combos points. So it's a point salad, basically. Yeah. But it's a proper brain burner trying to figure out where all the tiles go. And if you put a corridor next to this room, then it'll score extra points. And if you put a basement under this one and then build bedrooms on top of it, you can stick a tower on top and that'll score points. And there's all these cool little sort of tile laying combos yeah plans have to be quite fluid don't they really extremely yeah i am i've lost count of the amount of times that i thought i was going to put tiles in one place to score loads of points and then completely forgot about it because i picked up some slightly different the next turn yeah and it all just went out the window i quite like the way the tiles the point is driven it's all there's, there's just no words on any of the tiles it's just all icon driven except for the name of the room yeah the name, but that's just the, the name of the room is slave text and the only other word you see is per yeah, or connecting or whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's almost like no words at all, which makes it... Yeah. Language isn't really a barrier, which is, I suppose, it's quite a good, good thing as well. How quickly did you guys, or how easily did you find it to, to pick up the rules? Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> not very... <laughs> to, to put it another way. <laughs> Dan, you've not played with us for a while. What did you think? Um, second, I think we played three games. Mm-hmm. Third attempt, I got the rules. First attempt, I had no clue what was going on. By the third but game, you'd figured it out? Third game, I figured it out. Still wasn't even close to becoming anywhere near the leading contender for victory. <laughs> and I think I dragged down my compatriots in the process as well. But Thanks for that. I think um, I think you realise that everyone, there was five of us playing, yeah. and all five were guilty or susceptible. We were all party in each other's victory. 
So it wasn't just the people either side of you. It yeah. was how they yeah. linked with their people either side of them. So it's actually you're playing with everyone, even though you're just playing with the people yeah. next to you, which was the which you'd, I didn't realize until I'd lost three games in a row. <laughs> so it's yeah. this weird uh, collaborative, competitive approach, which I think is pretty unique. I've not played either of the other games. I'll ask you about that in a second, Lecky, because I know mm-hmm. you have. But I like that you're collaborating with the people on either side of you to make those castles as good as possible. It's it's your vested interest to make them brilliant because you can't abandon one and make the other good because you'll you'll lose. So you're collaborating with each other, but you want to beat the other guys as well. I feel like that you're getting cheated on by other members of the team as well. <laughs> yeah, constantly. I, and I, and I, in I some ways you are. To, to be on my castle only. <laughs> <laughs> there were some pretty mm. underhand tactics going down. Like the first game we played, it was full seven players. We're playing Raphael. Um, and it was between me and Daz. And I decided very early on in the game I was going to try and hog as much of his attention as possible. And it, it worked up to a point. Um and then Daz in the second round managed to get his attention back and managed to get all his dungeon cards on one plane of his castle. And I had none. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very nice getting a cold shoulder from no. your so-called partner. <laughs> when you're really Come on, your boy. <laughs> yeah, Daz. Really, when you're getting really into a castle and you've got this amazing multiplier going on and he's not even looking in your direction. <laughs> yeah. But then... Yeah, the uh, sounds like most nights. <laughs> yeah, but that shifted, and uh, Lecky felt that icy cold shoulder towards him. But you, I did still Stop. won. But yeah, so but you know, there's no. Well, you know, it's a skillful play at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm sure. But you yeah, <laughs> skillful fluking. No, yeah, totally. Was it, it satisfying the sense of building this castle and making it bigger and better and? Yeah, cooler looking. with some pretty crazy results as well. Like I think at one point we all had a castle that looked like it was so top heavy, it was going to collapse. It was just all towers. I remember making a castle that was basically it was just like a little round ball of rooms that were all interconnected but didn't really go anywhere. And I made another castle with Sam, which was um, really strange. It would have been a weird promenade to walk through. So it was like gallery, garden. Courtroom, garden, <laughs> ballroom, garden, fountain. Basically a village. <laughs> yeah. But there's this weird sort of like just a series of bungalows that you have to move through to get to this castle complex. Yeah, I don't think realism is an issue. Uh, also, no. all of those areas are exactly the same size. Yeah, and it, it wears its heart on its sleeve with it in terms of theme. Like it's all very much tongue in cheek and it's yeah. nice and light and hearty. It's got that very much like a sort of um, pantomime feel to the sort of Baroque era. It has a very lovely cover as well. Box oh, cover. exactly. Yeah, the art um, in general is just lovely. It just, it just like seems like Stonemaier Games, doesn't it? It's just like the production quality is brilliant. It all feels lovely and nice. Yeah. Um, I would say that we did we didn't mess up the rules massively, but we just we meant to stay silent when you're picking the tiles in order to keep the game from flowing quite quickly. And it wasn't until like game three that we really. I think we got that by the second game. Up to it. Yeah. yeah. Some of us got it by the second game. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of us just bend those rules. Yeah. And then in terms of everyone having a second castle to worry about, it kind of, I was worried when we went into this game that like sort of quarterback, it might be an issue, like more dominant players might just be like, this is what we're doing on both the castles. But because you only ever have a short stack of tiles in hand at one point, you can't really do that. Yeah. And you the, your teammate can just be like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to put this here anyway. And you're not really aware of what they have. Oh, actually, there is a hand. So in the first round, you passed all your tiles to the left. Yeah. And then when you've run out of the eight tiles there, in the second round, you passed to the right. So you yeah. have a little bit of knowledge of what you're giving to your, your teammate. But like you say, I think everybody's so 
obsessed with just trying to maximise the points, it'd be really difficult to quarterback and oh yeah and boss someone around. And it's it's sort of more fun when it is more predictable as well. Like when you just get sort of like crazy combos going on that you didn't really think about beforehand. Yeah. And um, there's all, there's just there's so many ways that you can score points. I remember just thinking that at one point it had to have a corridor above and below one of my rooms. And then Sam was like, yeah, well, we can just snake all these kitchens together and score points that way. It's like, wicked. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just nice. just nice and lovely. I'd, um, I'd play this game again. I'm not sure about the replayability of it. In terms of as it is between the two core games, I've not played the Castles of Mad King Ludwig, but I have played Between Two Cities. Um, and it plays a lot like Between Two Cities in the way that you're negotiating with your partner about where you're placing the tiles and what they might want to look out for in future and what you might look, want to play there in the future. So you're sort of like planning the castle ahead of time. Um, whereas the actual t way that the tiles play, like the set collection in Between Two Cities is a lot different. You're kind of like having a residential zone, you're zoning off a commercial area, you're trying to leave a little bit at the edge for parkland. Um, and I'd imagine that the castles of Mac in love with, from what I've heard of it, that's just very much like here's a load of crazy tiles that you're just going to kind of make a hodgepodge of point collection, and it was just going to lead a really crazy castle at the end of it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what people that have played, you know, castles of Mac in love with, would think of it. So, do you, do you think that the use of certain restrictions on placing tiles like the basement ones and gardens. the gardens and the towers is more tied in with the between two cities compared to the castles of um, I don't know really because I think with castles of Madcoop and Ludwig there's there's a sort of layout that you have to follow which means that you know you you kind of you're going to end up with something that resembles a castle but not a castle that anyone in the right mind would Build whilst it was so Asher. Cultural interlude to that. Excellent. There's an idea for a game. Yeah. Uh, a castle we can't physically build. Stair <laughs> yeah. Staircase of Asher. When you lose perspective like Asher. <laughs> Profound. Imagine the king would be some Bowie esque. Well, it was a. Goblin king. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was a real, it was a real guy that was obsessed with making beautiful palaces. So the Disney, the Disney Palace. Of Snow White was or Cinderella was based on um, one of his castles in Austria. It's very, it's very. Um, That's Ludwig, not Ludwig. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his castles yeah, never Escher made it beyond the planning <laughs> stage. <laughs> it never, never got beyond. Just cooking out the second floor. Always collapsing the staircase. Look for the second floor. You find yourself in the basement. <laughs> but yeah, summary thoughts. What did we think? I enjoyed it. Um, I found, I picked up the rules pretty quickly. Maybe. After the second game, I felt pretty comfortable uh, knowing what I was doing, but I liked the challenge of the constantly shifting focus between your two castles because it's yeah. easy to get a nice idea on one and then you've got yeah. the person to the left you tapping on the shoulder <laughs> saying, right, can we talk about this? Oh, yeah, there's that one as well. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, challenging in, in that respect. Um, but, yeah, pretty enjoyable. I've, would play it again. Um, I think that having not played for a long time, it was quite quick to, to get to. Second game, started to get it. Third game, understood it. Still realised that everyone was working out points at the end, thinking, oh, uh, 
I actually could have doubled my points quite easily there. So I think, I reckon after playing 10 games, you probably actually understand <laughs> fully the concept yeah. of the points rather than just building a castle that looks really cool. To be fair, the last game we used to play before you went away was Through the Ages, which is just about the most complex game I've played. Yeah, and it took me the you... whole time of my lifespan playing games to understand it, and then I disappeared. That's, that's why you went to Dubai, isn't it? Yeah, that's why, yeah, exactly. So, no, I think, it's, I think you could still play in terms of longevity. You could keep going for a while because you'd actually understand how you could win it quite easily. Because yeah. I don't know what our points would be in relation to the average point score, but... I'm pretty sure mine was below average. Uh, I don't know if there is an average, but I'm pretty sure four is good. They were sort of all over the shop. My, I, I think the first game I was in my mid to late forties, and the second game was like low fifties, and then the last. It's just really bad aging. This. It really was, yeah. <laughs> like that's how I felt by the time we finished. I reckon book. you could get a seventy in there if you played um, a few more games. Oh, easily. And um, so. what, one thing that I noticed as well when it was so everyone scores the castle to their left. So to make totting up easier because I've always been there all night. Um, and when I was doing mine and Dan's castle, I realised that we'd missed out on, but like a bonus card for having like courtyards or um, I think it was like the workshop rooms. We missed out on having a bonus for our um, garden, so you get an extra fountain and also like um, an extra another extra room as well. So in the end, we missed out on like twenty points that we managed to retcon in by asking really nicely and just chucking them where they'd fit. And if we didn't have those, we'd be at like 41. So it'll be interesting if you could like audit. I mean, it's not interesting. You'd never I think audit cheating gets you places in this game. <laughs> yeah. But if you're it not prospers. on it, yeah, but if you're not on it, if you're not constantly checking how many rooms you've picked up and that you've picked up a set of three or you've got a set of five, one particular room. Um, and if you let a few of those slip by, you can easily miss out on a load of points. And it'll be interesting in the first game if like say Sam or Daz had scored an extra 15 points and just forgotten about it mm. and just not notice when he was scoring up it could happen yeah um so you really do although it's a simple game to learn and it's very easy to play you really do have to have your wits about you in terms of Scoring. when you're what you're actually scoring because you could miss out on loads of points and it's easily done we did that but you wouldn't encourage yeah. people to check theirs because if you're in a winning position you're not exactly <laughs> yeah, going to say yeah, can you exactly. just check yours to make sure I did win yeah but in, in every game we've played so far someone's realised they've got a set of three and then everyone's looked down and gone Oh yeah, we've all got sets of three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, you get bonus for set of three. Don't yeah, you? yeah. So, another tile on but one. everyone forgets it, and then suddenly you get reminded. It. I mean, it probably would have been useful to have some way of recognizing that. You know, yeah. a marker to say you've got this because, like, three tiles that are all the same color, for example. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but once you've claimed it, you get to the end of the game, and you're like, "Have I claimed that one? I can't remember if I've done those three. I've got these three as well." And it suddenly becomes a bit of a yeah memory test, but. No, totally. I'd say this is a great game for like a caravan holiday or, you know, like board game cafe. You just need something that's going to take like an hour, hour and a half to play. Throw it in the middle of the table, mix it up and just, you can literally learn it by reading the rules. <laughs> and as well. literally mix it up. Literally mix it up. It's always good fun as well, just like grabbing tiles in the centre and throwing in the mm. I think it falls into that sort of Seven Wonders category of like nice looking, uh, fairly, not complex, but simple to play game. Yeah, yeah. That would kickstart at night, but without um, without probably normally being the game that you would play all night. Maybe yeah. Board Game Geek lists it at two point seven five on the complexity scale. Out of five, out of five, so that's two hundred somewhere around average. So about, <laughs> was that like fifty five percent? Yeah, you know. So it's you know it's not overly light. It's not overly 
complex. It's not overly complex, and the rules are uh, an actual dream. They're dead easy to read and process. Yeah. And in fact, all the rules for the game are on about three pages, and the rest of the rule book is like explanations for the different tile types, which really, once you've got past like one of those, you get it. Yeah. You just understand how they work. So in that respect, the, the barrier to entry is super low. Um, components are lovely. But yeah, again, it's it's one of those ones that I think would start an evening's play rather than be the feature of maybe. But oh, yeah, it's, totally. you know, you play this and then you crack outside. <laughs> Dragonfire from Catalyst Games. It's a licensed Dungeons and Dragons game, and it's basically a. I'm going to say I'm going to throw myself out here. It's going to be a um, sort of RPG adventure. That's deck builder. Quest, yeah, deck builder stuff. Someone else want to explain what it is because yeah, I don't know. This is this is a reissue of Shadowrun Crossfire, which is the futuristic D and D version of this game which played two to four players and seems to be a, was a lot harder. I think they've gone easier on this. It's still quite a challenging game, uh, but it's cooperative, uh, deck building adventure for two to six players. But the deck building is really interesting in this one because you have a tiny deck of cards and when you gain cards, they go straight into your hand for use straight away, whereas normally you have to shuffle it around and wait a couple of turns to actually see the benefits of the move that you made three or four turns ago. Um, and so this one reskins the whole Shadowrun Crossfire and instead of uh, cyborgs and internet and uh, hacking <laughs> and all that stuff it's like classic wizards dungeons and dragons and I was a rogue we had warriors and priests and everything else and we played the dungeon crawl mission so you go in and kill monsters and um, it's quite mathy and Jackie described it as colour matching because <laughs> um, basically you draw encounters from the deck like usually monsters that attack the party and you share them out semi-equally between yeah. all the players, and you all just have to bash the monsters. And to do that, you colour match. So you play a card that has a colour, and you try and match it to the different colours that the monster has. Yeah. But I think it does go a little bit deeper than that, because you have like cool sort of loads of different cool effects on the cards that you yeah. gain from the market as you go. Yeah, there's always that secondary effect, which is always helpful in deck builders, isn't there? And there's the locations as well, which kind of... Yeah, so you physically move to a location yeah. and you have to like attack your way out of that as well, don't you? Yeah, it's like uh, you get bottlenecked into like little corridors and stuff and they'll deal damage to if you end up being left in them. Yeah, but so you have to jump in and help your party yeah. out as well. And you can only move once, can't you? So you jump in, hit something, and then you're stuck for a turn. So you'll take some damage. When, when everyone else leaves it and leaves you on your own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of fleeing. <laughs> I was a rogue. With my job. <laughs> it works well, though, because it's like, it, as, a, as a sort of like D&D simulation, it works pretty well because you're kind of like managing your HP, you're working out who can afford to take a few hits and who can dish out a few more. Your wizard's always useless until you know, murder that massive monster you didn't see come in. And then, and then do nothing final. for ages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, the marketplace was quite cool as well. Um, you can save up like XP points, or you can spend them on like little sort of like one-off cards, which will use quite a lot. Um, or you can hope that you can like earn quite a few for like big attacks. Yeah, those, those ten-cost cards that are like game changers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those are good fun to play, but they take a lot of saving up to get to. 
Um, but it's the difference between like uh, wiping the floor with the monsters that you engage with and you know just knocking a couple of health off a, a, yeah. a monster sort of thing. Like the experience was a bit like it's a little bit rando, but it worked out pretty well for the game. So each monster's worth like five, six experience points, or if they're really rubbish, three or four. And so if there's like four players, then each player will get an experience point for like each. So yeah, if it's worth four, you'll get one dished each. out, aren't they? Yeah, Clock, clockwise order. Clockwise order. So you could have just be responsible for killing a monster, but because it wasn't at your location, everyone else could potentially get an experience point, and then it run out by the time it's got to you so you don't was get it, any was it another person that killed it no I think it was it the person whose location person it was in it. Yeah, yeah, so it was, oh, okay. so if it's worth six points everyone gets a point if you've got six ah, points I thought it was the person who was facing it at the time no. so whoever's facing it might not get anything yeah this because someone else has killed it that's an interesting point about six players as well because we actually had a full house which we, we don't normally have six players but um, what are your thoughts on how that plays out? Because normally with that many people, you, you feel like, especially in a co-op game, yeah. where you're waiting your turn to play, normally it's like, you know, there's a lot of downtime between turns. Um, I personally felt pretty invested in what everybody else was doing. Yeah. And a lot of the um, monster effects and stuff would hit you in somebody else's go. You know, the game was sort of dishing out um, creatures that would attack two or three characters at once. And being like sharing a location and stuff had an impact, or like trying to plan, you know, you go in that location so I can get out because I'm injured, sort of thing. Uh, what did you think about the sort of synergies between moves and taking turns? It, it was all about the assist cards, wasn't it? While you were waiting for people, so it, it, it'd be the classic can anyone assist for might or for a spell? <laughs> and everyone says, No, <laughs> <laughs> not assisting. Loads of interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I, I thought the interaction was pretty good. No, it yeah, was. The, the assists are more powerful, actually, aren't they? If you get a card that has an assist effect, you can yeah. play outside of your turn to help somebody else. And most of the time, they would be most of the time they'd be more beneficial uh, to assist somebody than to play yourself, which again encourages uh, cooperation between the team, uh, which is quite a nice effect, I think, and it does keep you engaged. It's one of these weird games where uh, I like the the idea of the theme. But I don't feel the theme as much when I play it, but the mechanics are good enough that it keeps me really the, engaged. The theme was there to the point where you were playing a rogue and you were up against like a bugbear. That was it. Yeah. Like the rest it, you, of it, you can swap it out easily. I think there are sort of story intros and stuff, but um, we, we might have skipped, <laughs> skipped through I don't think those. we skipped it because I think we read them out. I think it's just a sort we... of game where like it doesn't really stick with you. Like the, the actual sort the of actual story. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, like you're moving into a sort of like you know dungeon crawl sort of quest. Yeah. But like it's as opposed to when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and like it's your character and there's a bit of role play and a bit of banter back and forth and then you know you're really invested in like what your spells are and stuff. This it was just like you say feels a bit more like you know color matching. You still know what you're attacking. Um, for me, the meat of the game is. Kind of the conversation between everyone are discussing what your battle plan is and who's going to go where at what time and which monsters you're going to take out in what order, really. Isn't that standard for like D modern D&D games that the, the theme is not really yeah. integral into the game? Yeah. yeah I, A lot yeah. of them these days. And, and Shadow and Crossfire as well. The D&B board games, do you mean? D&B. The D&D. The bed and breakfast board What a time to develop a stutter. But you mean the board games? The board games and boards of water, do Yeah, yeah. So the theme doesn't really come through very much, but 
it's there if you want yes. to replay the text. So it's fairly common that. But yeah, also with Shadow and Crossfire, which this is its spiritual sister to, um, oh. the theme doesn't come through there at all when we're playing Shadow and Crossfire, I don't think. I think it's about the same as this, to be honest. Uh, exactly the, the point. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're aware of it, but you don't sort of drill down into the, the story of like, I'm going into this room, I'm going to rescue this guy and open that treasure chest and then, oh, goblins bring it. There's none exactly. of that. It's I literally, don't... I've got a hill giant in front of me. It's going to take me X number of turns to defeat him, but I'm going to have to do it by doing this, that and the other. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Know, and, I can and afford to take a couple of hits off this and to kill off that because I know that free you up to do that. Yeah. And it becomes more of a mechanical thing. Oh, yeah, totally. What did you think, Daz? Um, sorry, I was just thinking about did we mention the. What game is this? It's a I've got the box here and I'm reading the back of it. The Dragonfire cards, um, the ones that set the story, the modifier at the start of each round, there was. Um, what potentially could have been a pretty nasty yes, kind of modifier. Yeah, you're right. And they kind of get worse yeah. longer you leave them. Sorry, I got distracted then because I was trying to find it on the back no. of the box. Yeah, you're right. No, it, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the mechanic that the game is named after. Dragon fire to bring it up. Yeah, it matches. It's a pretty yeah. big deal. Yeah. I wasn't, no, I wasn't getting at you from that point. Sorry, it sounded really like, I sounded like such a dick. I'll rephrase it. What I mean is like, you're right to bring it up as a mechanic because it's very important to the game so much so they named the game after it yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. No, and those can be crucially and uh, punishing. Mm. Like in Shadow and Crossfire, they felt a lot worse. Like every time you drew one in Shadow and Crossfire, it would kick in and kill you. And this, we drew, actually, we drew a lot of cards, which we, and it could have just been luck, but which we sidestepped, you know, which yeah. didn't affect the monsters in play or whatever. But when they do kick in, it's like, you can't use assists this round, or you yeah. can't, uh, all of the blue monsters get stronger or do more damage. Yeah. And, and so they really can up the ante. And the longer you play for, the worse they get, because they sort of stack, um, yeah. and they have a level, and that level number dictates how bad the next card that's coming is yeah. going to be. And so that's a really nice sort of tension builder as well. It was like if one of them is left out for seven rounds, it'll pretty much just kill everyone instantly. Yeah. And you, we got quite adept at like working out which ones are going to cause us the most trouble. Um, there was one, I think, where it was um, if you kill a particular type of monster, then you draw from that monster's deck. And if you draw the same colour, so if it's like a magical version of that monster, then that one's going to come out at you. So it's basically just replaces itself, and oh, it's like, like it's a one in four chance of it. Oh, yeah. the, those ones that I kept calling a salad, was it? Slard. Absolute slard. Yeah. And there were some old school D&D monsters coming out as well, like going back to like the theme of it. There was like the big jelly cube, gelatinous cube that just comes down the corridor and like liquidizes everyone. Yeah. And you get items when you kill it because all yeah. this stuff comes out. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, as right. For the Dungeons and Dragons games, like the board games, like you know that have been licensed by Wizards of the Coast, I think this is probably one of the more complicated ones. Um, like there's loads of Waterdeep, which is like quite Euroy, but like I think that's probably quite easy to learn. Um, this one felt like it had more going on that you had to keep on top of whilst the game was actually in play in terms of like the Dragonfire cards, particular monster effects, particular character effects. Um, you have to keep an eye on your deck for the big cards that have the really good assists, like I mentioned before. Yeah, and the deck, the whole deck building element is kind of new to Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, yeah, it was... I don't think they've done it really before, have they? It featured in the other game that we played a 
Felix took over. Tyrant Tyrant Tyrant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. It featured the Tyrants of the Underdark. Um, which was more of a sort of like strategy um, move pawns around a board at the same time, whereas this was more of a chat to each other um, uh, tactical uh, deck builder, wasn't it? Yeah. He plays one character in this. Yeah. So they had like reminiscent of Warhammer Quest, the card game. What was it? Is that, yeah. Is that what it was called? It was. Yeah. It kind of yeah. reminiscent of that. You each take character. Obviously, the gameplay itself was very different with choosing action. Can't do the same yeah. action twice, but that whole the feel of it, you know, the, yeah, you got the same vibe. Yeah, I'd say that I enjoyed this more. Um, I think this is probably because it's a newer game. It, like you're saying, it's um, based on like Crossfire Dragon uh, Shadowrun Crossfire, but it, to me, it feels like they've brushed that up as well. Like you know, it feels a bit slicker. Yeah, one of the things as well that we've not mentioned yet is. And that we didn't do actually. We we played that as a one shot scenario. But what you do in this game is once you've finished, oh, yeah. you get XP and you level up your character and you get stickers that you slap on your character sheet and you start to personalize them and you add abilities that let you start with an extra card or an extra gold or extra hit points each time. And you can all level up as a group. And I really, given our group, I don't see us playing campaign games that often. I know we were just on the side campaign, but um, if we were to keep playing this one, it would be kind of cool because you you do get to feel a bit of growth and see your characters grow and Shadowrun Crossfire it was artificially staggered that so that you never you very rarely got to grow and put those stickers on you had to get right. tons of points you'd get points for you get like one point for losing a, uh, like a round but you need like 10 points um to get the next sticker and then if you got that sticker you need 20 points to get the next one so you could literally play 10 or 15 or 20 games and not see any growth and I think they've wow corrected that in this um, and I really would like to look into that a little bit more and see like the, the sort of campaign game character progression thing yeah I'd never say that I really want to grind a board game to play that character progression it, yeah it has to be sort of one that keeps you coming back for the gameplay but luckily I do think that Shadow and Crossfire and this have that sort of addictive gameplay of you like oh just one more round you know let's yeah. just see you know let's max some more icons and colors <laughs> you do know that means that when we do start a campaign because we did so well in this sort of like test run we're going to get minced oh we get crucified <laughs> yeah it's just really gonna... <clears throat> there was a few close calls wasn't there oh yeah yeah we were, a few we, yeah we won we won the scenario but it took us like hours didn't it yeah it was yeah. it wasn't an easy game to win um, but I feel and like we were all on low health like one or two HP by the end yeah I feel like my character was particularly lucky because they still had about five health left it started on ten um, and well, we just didn't put I, in too much I, danger to me it felt like we all lost almost all of our health in the first couple of rounds and then we'd bought some stuff in and became almost untouchable but that's yeah and it's also because you were playing a wizard like a frontline um, fighter as well you I, was just, like, I was a rogue <laughs> you were, what you were a rogue <laughs> yeah you just had magic spells all the time I was a tanking wizard in rogue wow what? how do you play a rogue I take, normally I take, I take <laughs> it back I, I've, I don't. I, I completely. Well, I, I remember you just like throwing spells left, right, and center because you were collecting most of the same cards that Daz. Rogue's got to do what a rogue's got to do. Was a he was sure? I was a warlock. A warlock, yeah. Okay, so he was showing me how it's done <laughs> without the sort of skills to do it, but still doing it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I threw a few magic <laughs> missiles around. Yeah. <laughs> where, where was it a rogue ever magic missiles? It, it wasn't you broke the game. You broke it wasn't the game. specific. Oh, what little theme we thought it had is just going up in the smoke. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was decent. But to be fair, your character was on his own in one, uh, quite a hefty location for a while before we decided to rescue it. Yeah. <laughs> 
we need before someone just came in and had my wedding. wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Show off. Was <laughs> but that, that was the game started and we were stuck in those locations. We were all at the basic cards at first. Yeah. So we were just taking heaps of damage initially. Yeah. Then when we started getting these cards and we could beat stuff, we were, the first round, I think, or first couple of rounds, we were taking just one damage a time or one level of damage a time yeah. to these cards. Yeah. But it got to the end game and each of us was just killing stuff left, right and centre. Yeah. And I don't know whether it scaled well, or it might have been the number of players or something, but it did feel like once you got over that initial hurdle, it became a lot simpler. But that's, yeah. that's I think, one of the huge appeals of this game particularly, is that you start out with the worst deck. It's like you've got seven or eight cards, and each of them does one type of point of damage. So you you feel like you can't do anything. You're like, can you help me with this monster? Because I can't do nothing. Yeah. And then, as you say, by the end of it, you're like, 15 fireballs, you know, and yeah. just like putting a smack down on. So you do, over the course of a couple of hours, go from like zero to hero. And I think that's exactly what a game like this should capture. And if, yeah. it's, if it's staggered it more and you still were like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing anything, you know, after hours of play, that would really hurt yeah. this, this gameplay. It was the experience again, though. Like, um, I remember like by the third round, fourth round, well, we used to think oh, it was take ages to save up like six experience points to buy a particular card. You'd look at the table, you have none, and then two minutes later you look down and there's like eight experience points there because people have dealt with other monsters. Other people are earning UXP on exactly. that. Exactly, yeah, but yeah. then you're investing that in like decent cards, which then earns other people XP, and it's like, so, you know, a little machine sort of like starts cranking over then. Do you think this would benefit from a skill-specific card? So I know when you choose a class, the basic cards that you get are specific, so you might, like, the rogue's got more... Um, roguey roguey cards <laughs> and the warrior's got more fighting the warlock's got more spells but do you reckon it would benefit from a rogue specific card you know like that's what legendary. you get to so with yeah. the XP with the campaign it gets to the point where you can buy a card before the game begins and stuff so you, you can uh, specialise in your colour and um, I, I was thinking more along the lines of like legendary encounters and stuff where you've got one specific to well there was you take. Well, there was like my so like my my, I just had a straight up fighter, so I was buying all the might cards. So that was stuff like um, like shield and so that, that was all publicly available, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and then well, the, the roguey ones were more like the opportunity attack. So they're all most yeah, of the cards. Your deck, your deck is built on your character classes, isn't it? Yeah. So as, yeah. as a as a fighter, you have like four fighter cards, whereas I'd have four roguey cards, and Daz would have four wizardy cards. So your deck is definitely built based on on your actual character yeah. class. But then, like Tristan's saying, and there's like those very specific skills in D and D, such as like a rogue would have um, sneak attack or um, like up close and deadly or assassinate or something. Yeah, so, so you might pick those up. Think about it. There was there was a number of the market cards that only you could only buy in specific circumstances. So, like if you played a rogue. Card, yeah. So the, a lot hmm. of the rogue cards you had to have played a rogue card. Uh, some of the um, wizard cards you had to be a wizard just to buy them at all. Um, there was some other ones like that. Yeah. So they, they did sort of lead you down a path, I suppose, into, into what you were getting. Yeah. But then, like, it was open so that you could do some interesting things like you did with, like, multi-classing. So a rogue throwing out magic missiles. So you could, like, attack multiple targets. There was a lot of blue monsters out. Yeah, that's no, fair enough. <laughs> it was, I, was just so I feel like you're really <laughs> upset by this. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. It's... Well, yes. But I think only, he's upset. Only because, only because, like, you bought so many of them that 
I thought you were genuinely a wizard. I think I put one of them. He, used all the time. he was hoping was to good. see me flourish. It just didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah. Picked up the slack. <laughs> it's good. I would say, like, normally uh, it says 60 to 90 minutes on the box, and you could probably get through that with two or three players. But with six players, it did take us like three hours to, to get through. Um, but again, did feel engaged all the way through. I was and, you know, quite excited to get that final finish and wipe the floor with the monsters yeah. in, in the last round. Definitely. It's it's a full, full on co op in terms of yeah. everyone's going to be shouting at each other and talking to each other and wondering what they're meant to be doing. Yeah, you, it's not, advice. I wouldn't call it multiplayer solitaire. You're definitely involved in what everybody else is doing yeah. um, and calling for help a lot. Because, oh, yeah. because you will get to, no matter how good yeah no matter how good your deck is the um if you if you're one specific character type even if you try to branch out and take on like you know a wizard rogue or whatever you're still not going to tick the boxes for all the different um levels of damage that every monster needs because they have yeah. like this huge mix so you will need the fighter to come over and you know do the top level of damage or uh, the priest to come over and heal you and, and stuff like that so it absolutely requires coordination so even though it is colour matching or icon matching, yeah, um, the the coordination and, and cooperative play, yeah, is, is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily let the Dungeons and Dragons licensing put you off if you're a big fan of like sort of cooperative games where um, it's more like breach and clear sort of stuff where you've got like a bit of a problem in front of you and you've got to try and work out what to do about it. Um, it D and D fits it really well, but you'll really enjoy it either way. It's like if you like like um, computer games where you raid like Destiny that sort of stuff, then you'd really enjoy a game like this. It's I mean it's, it it kind of pulls off that sort of simulation for tabletop really well. So my thoughts, Dad? Uh, yeah, yeah. When you because <clears throat> it was my first, well most of our first time playing it. When you said it was three hours, it didn't feel like three hours, um, and. Yeah, you're right. It looked um, like it was going to be dead tough to start with, but yeah, the difficulty curve. I mean, it was a challenge, but um, you, you did you did find you were getting stronger as you went on, and you know we rode rode the sort of the sort of close near, near, near to deaths, rode the lightning sort of <laughs> moments at the start, um, and yeah, and then towards the end, I was sort of being able to afford those big cards in the market and. Get the satisfaction of watching Sam use my cards <laughs> <laughs> whilst I play. Someone one, had to use them. <laughs> one green card. Um, yeah, um, and yeah, but I would be interested in playing the um, sort of continual, like the campaign okay. version of it. Um, and I could see how that could work really well. Um, so definitely one I'd like to have a go at again. I think. Cool. My kid. Sam. Yeah. Uh, a fan, um, I think it's it's fairly simplistic some of it, and, but I think what they've taken um, from various different sources is all gelled quite well together. Um, I don't think, as I said, I don't think the theme's particularly obvious, but I like that whole D and D theme uh, anyway. So yeah. it doesn't detract from it at all. I think it, it just doesn't add a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so it's down to the game itself, but yeah, uh, it's. One of the best games I've played in quite a while that's cooperative and it truly feels cooperative. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a fan of D&D, then the theme is really going to kind of like jump out at you because to the point when a lot of the ability cards are based on like pretty minor mechanics from like D&D 4th edition. That's it because I never played D&D yeah. at all. 
um, the references just mean it's, nothing to me. So it just becomes what the car mechanics are. Yeah. So I'm basing it purely on that. So the theme is there's dungeons and dragons. Except when there's no dragons. <laughs> there's, there's a dragon, <laughs> yeah. dragon fire so and a salad. Yeah, sort of big toady things. That might be magical. Some, some jelly cubes as well. Yeah. Um, but I still like that, you know, but I just, I don't get the in-references, so maybe the theme's a bit lost on me because of that. I see, yeah. That's fair enough. Well, you know, if you fancy a D&D adventure where rogues can just throw magic missiles around for Get no over reason it. whatsoever, <laughs> you'll really enjoy Dragonfire. It's a not... lovely re-implementation of uh, Shadowrun Crossfire. It really and is. It's so much so closely. that I couldn't choose a favourite out of the two of them, to be honest. I, I could. You could yeah, dragon fire all the way. Really? Yeah, yeah. We played Dragon Run Crossfire. Dragon Dragon Run Crossfire. That sounds amazing. We played Shadow Run Crossfire a while ago, just yeah. me and you. And um, I, re- I didn't struggle to kind of get through the sort of like the encounter, but I just struggled to kind of make sense of it. Right. And maybe because I've played loads of D and D in the past, the mechanics was kind of like they were a lot easier to keep up with yeah. um, during this game. And I don't know if it's because, like I said. The source material has got a bit closer to my heart. Themes a bigger sell. Or because they've brushed up the rules a bit more and it just plays a bit cleaner. I don't know. Yeah. No, I obviously got this version because fantasy is my catnip. But uh, I'd like the harshness of Shadowrun Crossfire. And it's also over dead quick. Like, scenarios like 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, this one seemed meatier just because of the number of players. But it, I think it's an advantage that it takes up to six players. Whereas Crossfire was only up to four players. Um, but it does feel like they've tightened a few things and made it a bit more varied and interesting. Like the classes do feel a little bit different, uh, whereas in Shadowrun Crossfire, <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't get the sense that they were as different, which is weird because you still got the sort of same makeup of cards and that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it does feel it does feel like a, a few of the things yeah. feel cleaner and it feels a little bit easier, which is a good thing because Shadowrun Crossfire is incredibly like crazy difficult you know out of 10 games we lost eight in shadow right, okay. so um yeah. like just nerfed I, it a little bit i definitely do want to play it more and like Dal says i'd love to like see the campaign mode in action a little bit nice well we should definitely give that a go i think we would really enjoy it well there we have it right well thanks very much to daz and dan for joining us thank you no worries and um thanks very much for listening we'll uh <laughs> thank up. you as well sam yeah like, <laughs> thank <you>. much. <laughs> And You're thank welcome. you, Tristan. Oh, thank you, Lucky. Oh, wonderful. What a lovely I, I love you. I love you guys. Oh, we, we're fun to tolerate you. <laughs> <laughs> You're you mostly acceptable. <laughs> and, uh, thanks very much for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back with you soon with more board game nonsense. And until then, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.